This Talking Flutes podcast is kindly sponsored by Trevor James Flutes, making life sound beautiful. You can show them some flute love by following them on Instagram at TJ Flutes, Trevor James Flutes on Facebook and at trevorjamesflutes.com. Well, hello and welcome this week to Talking Flutes with me, Jean-Paul Wright, and Claire Southworth down in the beautiful town. Town is a town, isn't it, of Hove, or is it a um, an adjunct to Brighton? It's the city of Brighton and Hove. Oh, city of Brighton and Hove. They're linked, are they? Okay. So we're sat in Claire's gorgeous kitchen, and if you'd listened last week, you know that we're back to answer lots of your questions. And this week, it's, it's an interesting one this week, Claire. The first question up is, how do I grow my flute Instagram account? I am struggling to get more than 1,000 followers. Well, um, I love questions like this because I have very limited knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I have to do my research, which means talking to my daughter, Eleanor, who as a publicist is very well versed in building profiles. <laughs> so... I'm going to talk through what I've learned from her. And then you, of course, are the expert. So you'll, I'm sure you'll have lots more to say. But certainly I know that social media is a constantly evolving platform. And we're always having to adapt and change how we use it and learning what works best for us. I think a thousand followers is not to be sniffed at. No, um, it's a lot, isn't it? A thousand. You know, it's a lot of people. Measuring the success of social platforms, we often look at follower counts, which isn't always the best way to go. If you compare someone with a thousand followers to someone with a hundred thousand, you won't necessarily have. 10 times more engagement. So you have to think of your platform as a growing a community, encouraging conversation and engagement. And you want people to interact with you and with what you post. Um, and in turn, you have to interact and engage with both your own followers and other platforms, which is something I'm not very good at. So you need to go and comment and share other people's posts in the fluty corner of Instagram. There's another thing you have to remember and that Instagram has a very annoying algorithm. At the moment, your post will reach more people depending on how many have saved or shared your post. The number of likes on your follow account has far less impact. So encourage that interaction. Ask people to share your posts to their stories to show support. And again, in turn, make sure you do the same for others. So it's all, all about building this community. Treating Instagram as part of your job. Post regularly and consistently. Spend time responding to comments. Interact with others. And most importantly, I think you have to post things you yourself as a user enjoys. If you're doing endless self-promotion, that will put off a lot of people. So thank you, Eleanor. You're a star. I'm going to follow all those things now. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, she's, she's spot on. And never mani- mani- measure yourself by the number of followers. I didn't know that. No. And uh, often Instagram go through a cull because there's lots of uh, inactive followers. So you may see one day that your f- following is on X and then the day after it could be X minus 20 or an X minus 100. Yeah, we have 20, I don't know, 25,700, uh, which is a lot. But how many I get to, when I look at my analytics, I will probably get to six or 7,000, reach six or 7,000 people per post. 
So for me, it's the algorithm's a pain, but Eleanor is exactly right. Never measure by the likes. And that's why I really like the facility where you can turn off the number of likes that you've got on it because we shouldn't be measured or we shouldn't measure or be pressured to measure uh, a post according to how many people press that like button. It's all about engagement and interaction and you can get that inside your analytics within it. And from my perspective, if we are seeing uh, an increase in numbers on engagement and analytics, that's a plus. The like number I don't care about. It's the engagement and analytics. Because if people aren't engaging, they're not reposting or they're not commenting or they're not sharing, then really you're not reaching them. But I would also ask a question, why would you want to be desperate to get to 1,000? You know, 1,000, 2,000, 3,000. It really makes no difference because you're just telling your story. You're putting what you're doing on a day or on a, uh, in, on a practice session or performance. You're just using that as a platform to show people what you're doing or how you're having a lovely time, happy time. Or in some cases, you know, the reality of life, which is uh, it's not always easy to be a flute player. And so Instagram and social media is utilized by each and every one of us in a different way. We utilize on TJ Flutes as a platform really to show flutes. And I use, I have a different strategy is that we post nice, pretty pictures of flutes. And then we, I will engage on a uh, more informal basis on my stories. So I'll show a picture of uh, mouse, my Bellington Terrier. There'll obviously be the, almost always there'll be a picture of a coffee cup with Bonjour La Vie, which is Hello Life in the morning. And then I will just post sort of what I'm doing on a daily basis. So that is very different to the page. But interactivity is measured uh, not only on what you post. You're exactly right in, in that you have to engage with people. So if somebody's going to be kind enough to write a comment, you need to comment back. So social media to be really active and to get your follow account up if you are, if that's, if you're that inclined as it being important to you you need to be engaged so not just do a post and then disappear come back check if anyone's commented don't be so hung up on the numbers of likes that was something that people used to do years and years and years ago and one that you would measure your success by whether you have a blue tick or whether you reach a certain amount of followers on Instagram, the, the major change, it hits 10,000 followers because then you can do links on your stories to websites. So when you see at the bottom, see more or show more, when you swipe upwards, it normally takes you to a link somewhere. So the 10,000 followers is really the number where you can utilize the Instagram uh, facility to or give them more information. But does numbers make you more popular? I know good friends of mine have uh, I've got the blue tick and they've got uh, two, three, four, five million, in one case, nine million followers. You can't interact with them. And they don't. It's got to the stage where they have people who interact with them. And uh, I look, I mean, one of my favorite accounts, and I watched her grow over the last three years, was Mrs. Hinch. She came onto Instagram and she was given cleaning hacks and Sophie Hinch gives, so she gives cleaning tips and then she gives sort of a daily update on her stories on how she's feeling. And she went from zero to a million within one year and is now up to four million, has written books, uh, is regular on TV, but she still does her own podcast posts. Not podcast, she does a podcast with her husband, but she does her own Instagram posts rather than people doing it for them. 
I'm not sure whether many flute players uh, experience it, but she, the downside with popularity and getting to a large following is that you then attract trolls. You then attract people that say not very nice things to you on public, in public. And I think that happens the more followers you have, the more people are willing to come in and, and to really sort of put a little dent on your day if you're that, that way inclined. So going back to the original question, 1,000 followers is not to be sniffed at. If you were to have 1,000 friends in one room, that would be a big audience, wouldn't it? If you were to have 25,000 followers in one room, how many of those would you actually be engaging with? How many of those would be thinking about what they're eating later or what they're going to drink or they'd be thinking about something else because they're not engaging with how you're talking? So I think you're, Eleanor, exactly, exactly right in her advice she gave you. It's not really about the numbers. It's about engaging and it's about creating that community. And as you rightly say, that little flute space, there is a lot of people that are willing to engage. And it doesn't matter how big they are. They are there because they're flute players. They love the flute. And basically, I would say, don't worry. The more you interact, the more people you will follow. And the follow for follow thing, I mean, that, that's one thing that does annoy me is that you should really only follow people that, that you want to see their posts from. The more people you follow, the less people you'll see when you're checking through your feed. And that's the problem. If you're following lots of people and you'll find that people that have lots of followers don't necessarily follow lots of people. And the reason is solely because they, they can't find the things that they want to. So it's not, it's, it's not really an easy thing, is it, social no. media? No, it's something you have to work on and practice and uh, engage with. And you, you have to be a regular engager with it if you want to be more successful at it. And it takes time. And uh, we've had time during lockdown to, to go on and to interact. And there's been so many Zoom classes and Zoom performances and things. But ultimately, do you want to spend your time with your scrolling finger? Is it because we're of an age where we didn't grow up with social media? So for us, it's, uh, it's something that's there to be used, but it's not forms essential function of our lives. But yet it does with the younger ones, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, very much so. It's, 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 it's very much different for us than it is for the younger generation. Yeah, and do you think it's about, I mean, this, this person has said, uh, I don't know if she's a lady or a guy, do you think she said it because she, it's about a popularity thing? You get to 1,000, then there's that feeling of being popular? Yeah, I'm, I'm, sure it, I'm sure it has something to do with that. But you have to sort of change, definitely change your thinking. It's not about being popular. It's about sort of, as we've just been saying, engaging. And maybe, you know, lighting up someone's day with a, with a lovely post, a lovely picture, um, or something educational even. So it's, it's doing that. And then if somebody mentions something, leaves a comment, then thank them so that you're engaging with those people that follow you and engage you. Yeah, utilise social media and Instagram in particular. And because I, 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 do, I do understand that Instagram is absolutely huge now amongst the uh, younger generation, although whether it's TikTok, I think TikTok's now taking over, isn't it? And uh, I've still yet to get my head around TikTok, but um, I do it, but I don't think I'm funny enough to do it. <laughs> so in short, that question, don't worry about a thousand. If you want to get to a thousand, as Claire said, interact, create content that is relevant to you and of interest to others and or come up with a strategy of content creation make sure that everything is very similar in that if you're going to have a color focus a color scheme or find yourself a little niche that uh, that makes you stand out 
But most importantly, interact with others. And by that interaction, they will hopefully follow you back and you will get to that 1,000 followers. But I do promise you one thing. When you get to 1,000, a little bit of paranoia will creep in because you won't stay on 1,000. You might go 1,000, then 998 and 999, then back up to 1,002. So don't use that figure as the, the one that's going to make you happy because follower numbers will not make you happy. Just one extra thing there, John Paul. If you go and look at the more successful Instagrammers, go and look at their board of posts and see how it looks. Yeah. Because that sort of palette they get their, 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 of, of, of all the different photographs is, can be very artistic. And the way people arrange things, because there's so many businesses now are using Instagram, of course. And the way they compose a post, compose a photograph, it's something we can all learn from. So go and do a little bit of searching on Instagram and see and see how other people are doing it. Yeah, and basically don't worry. Just be yourself. Don't become paranoid about numbers and just enjoy the platform. Yeah. So yeah. Can we on to another question. Yeah, now this is an interesting one. Is and this did come from somebody in the UK. I remember um, cutting and pasting it from an email, Claire. But I, again, I can't tell you where. Uh, slap on my wrist. And the question is, my parents want me to study an academic subject when I leave high school. That can't be. It must be America. Sounds like it. Yeah. yeah, high school. But I want to do music as my major. That is definitely American, isn't it? Let me, let me start this again. My, mer- my parents want me to study an academic subject when I leave high school, but I want to do music as my major. Any advice? Yeah, well, not an uncommon problem ah. in terms of which major to study or even the choice between maybe going to a university or a conservatoire. Now, I remember my father being very insistent that I should go to university and not to music college. But in those days, it was mainly due to the lack of uh, information available to help us make a decision. And there are also differences, great differences between here in the UK and the rest of the world. So I think you have to ask some questions. What are your aspirations? So what are you, what are you hoping for? What do you want to do with your life? Where do you see yourself in five years' time? Do you want to follow a performing career or a different sort of career? Do you have the skill set for a performing career? Take advice or consultation lessons to get an idea of your chances of winning an audition. Now, a university degree is incredibly valuable and it can open doors for many career choices. But if you want to follow a flute playing career, then one of the most important choices is, is who will teach you and what opportunities will there be in either your university or your college. Now, many, op- many um, universities will only offer playing opportunities to music majors. So you've got to do your research. It's no good going to, do, uh, going to university to do an academic subject that's not music and hoping that you're going to get lots of playing because you might not get it. Research thoroughly, make notes of the pros and cons so that you can calmly talk through your options with your parents. So it really depends... going back to the question in terms of what you want to do with your life so if performing on your flute um, as a full-time career is not what you want to do then you should maybe look at other options but and if if performing the flute for your career is what you want to do then you have to look at the different 
courses that are, that are on offer to you. Because even here in the UK, you know, you can look at some music degrees which are very much more academic than others and others which have got much more performing. And often when you are auditioning or applying for these further education places, when you play, you play for sort of like 10 minutes and it's a little window of your life when you're sort of 18 years old. And if you're not on good form on that day, it can then sort of dictate what you're going to do for the next three, four, five years. So I wouldn't really worry about that either. And make sure that you, you know, a good route to go, if your flute playing is not good enough to go to a conservatoire, is go and do it, get a good music degree at university and spend your three or four years at university practicing like crazy and then go and do a postgraduate degree, two years where you just play. So... You need to get your information. Think about what you want to do with your life. Do your research. Find out what is offered on the different courses. And then make a list of pros and cons. And then have a sensible discussion. That sounds perfect. Is there a road sweeper going past? I think it's a lot of building work going on about 100 yards away. We're right next to the Sussex County Cricket Club. And oh. they're, they're building new stands and... Yeah, for our American listeners. And yeah, the, the cricket is the, is, is the one game that I, I have fun with, with my American friends, because I love cricket. Now, cricket can, in its purest form, last five days, and um, often there isn't a winner. And, and it is really one person throwing a ball at the other person, and the aim is to hit three pieces of wood that are standing upwards and knocking the bales off, which are two little bits of wood on the top. And the aim is to score as many runs by hitting the ball either out of the ground or to a line around the outside or past somebody and running in between. I love it, but it is sort of quintessentially British, I think. And some similarities to baseball. Uh, yes. Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, I, my only experience of a baseball game was going to San Francisco to see the Giants and just w- w- I just I just wondered when the whole thing was going to take off because there were there were there were so many breaks and the the fans or the audience were spending mo- more time drinking and chatting to their neighbors than watching the baseball <laughs> so a very different sort of crowd vibe what well, I, I, I think in in the cricket you see everyone turning up for the cricket here with their picnic hampers and their, their bottles of various <laughs> various drinks and they do the same thing it's a big social occasion I was, I was, I was hoping you, you wouldn't bring that, that part in but yes it is a social occasion and um, yeah it, so it's you're, you're having building work no, not you are but the, um, the big pavilion down the end which is a, a major cricket area is having all that work done so yeah. I can just hear it coming through my a ears a little rumble going on a little rumble yes yeah. so <laughs> I think that was perfect advice and you know, as a parent myself, it was slightly easier for me. All my three children played music, but they were—they knew what they wanted to do. But I know if your heart is one way and your parents are saying another, ultimately it is you that is going to determine your future. Not, and I hate to say that, not that of your parents. Parents come with a lot of wisdom and uh, a lot of advice, but not, not necessarily coming from your heart and uh, you've you're all all your two children very talented in other areas did you sort of encourage them to look at 
music or did you just say no. follow whatever it was that you no, wanted? they just needed to follow whatever it is, that whatever it was that they wanted to do. But I, I should, we should sort of add a little caveat since the, the, the recent pandemic hitting the world, music is one area that has basically stopped And so this question might have arisen because of the difficulty of trying to pursue a musical career in the sort of pandemic and post-pandemic world that we're in now. Mm. And certainly if I had a child now that was looking to go to university and was talking about doing a practical music course, I would probably try and steer them away at the moment, only because of the uncertainty of there being any music in in the next few years it is really very very difficult um, and if you do doing another degree doesn't stop you being a musician I've got lots of colleagues who did maths at university and kept their music going and then when they finished their degrees they decided actually no music's the way forward so that can give you a sort of a way out should the music business uh, be tricky to get into it just really depends on your your skill level and your talent. If you are a high flyer, then you'll succeed anyway. But if you're sort of, you know, sort of in the middle, it could be difficult. And it's there, there are very, very few flute jobs. So, you know, there is a, a sort of a, a good reason to think of a non-music major. But keep playing your flute. Go to somewhere where there are really ex- there's an excellent teacher because that that's going to help you succeed. And then maybe think about postgraduate years at a more um, something like a conservatoire. I love that advice, just because you, you in effect you get the best of both worlds. You've got an insurance policy by doing um, your major, your or over here your degree in a subject that would open doors. Should music not necessarily be your path because as you've mentioned music is even before the pandemic was hard certainly for flute players to get into and there's only so many flute jobs around and doing a postgraduate one just opens that door providing you still got that desire to as you say go into the music world but if you are unable to break down the barriers that are there you have something to fall back on so um, that's great advice Claire. Yeah, it's, there's, there's a lot of thinking and pondering to do about that. Yeah, parents it's aren't... It's not an easy answer. No, parents aren't always mean. and But uh, <laughs> I was lucky that mine knew what they wanted to do and yours knew, but uh, so I didn't have to apply any parental pressure. But you're exactly right. If my, uh, one of my children, um, they've all graduated now, but if they had said now they wanted to go and do a, a music degree and yet they were quite talented at something else, I think I may just sort of give them a bit of advice for what it's worth, not necessarily appreciating that they wouldn't take it anyway. Keep your options open. Yeah. I've always, I've always said that. And, and the longer you keep your options open, the more chance is it is that you'll find something that fits your life and fits your aspirations. So I think we've, we've covered that, Claire. It was, probably wasn't exactly what she wanted to hear, but um, I think we, we've done that. And I think we've done again this week, Claire. We have. Please continue to send your questions in to flutepodcasts at gmail.com or via Twitter to Claire Flute or to me at Flute. And we look forward to carrying on with the questions and answers next week, Claire. Yes, thanks, John Paul. Bye for now. Bye for now. Take care, everybody. Goodbye.
Talking Flutes and Talking Flutes Extra are podcast productions by the Trevor James Flute Company. For more information, visit trevorjamesflutes.com.